Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Golf Strategy School. Now, I know you're listening because you want to learn how to play better golf. But if you want to see how you compare to other golfers your age, you need to check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. That is par, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And what it will do is it will actually give you a free assessment where you can see exactly how you measure up against other people your age. And you can see where you're excelling, where you need to focus your time on. And this is an assessment, honestly, that you can take once a month just to see how you're progressing throughout your golf journey. So again, check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see how you measure up against other golfers your age. You're listening to Golf Strategy School. This episode's brought to you by Superspeed Golf. Listen, if you want to hit the ball farther, you need to be doing the same thing the pros do. And the pros use Superspeed Golf. Two-time U.S. Open winner Lee Jansen uses Superspeed Golf. Five-time major champion Phil Mickelson uses Superspeed Golf. Heck, even Dr. Greg Rose, who's the founder of the Titleist Performance Institute, stands by Superspeed Golf. So if you want 10% off your order, go ahead and use promo code GOLFSTRATEGY to get that discount. Otherwise, you can check out more about Superspeed Golf by checking out my interview with Mike and Kyle where they break down the science behind the program at golfstrategyschool.com slash superspeed. Do you love to play golf? Do you wish you could be a more consistent and confident player? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Golf Strategy School podcast, where we discuss specific practice strategies used by some of the best golf instructors from around the world. Here's your host, Marty Griffin. Welcome back, everybody. Marty here with you again. And on this episode of Golf Strategy School, we're going to get into how to read your putts. And this really came about because I was working with my father-in-law a little bit of background on him. He's he's a higher handicapper. He plays pretty regularly in the summer, usually at least a couple times a week. But his his decision making was always a thorn in his side. He would get frustrated and he would just, you know, out of anger, take a quick shot and it would chunk or it would blade across the green, things like that. And so we'd really been working on fixing those decision making problems. Because we want to eliminate the times where he's where he can control how he's shooting himself in the foot. You know, when you don't put a lot of time into practice and you're only playing maybe once or twice a week and you're a higher handicapper, bad shots are going to happen. They happen for everybody. But in those circumstances, they're going to happen at a higher regularity. And you have to think about whether or not this was a bad swing, which you may or may not be able to control, or if it was a bad decision. And what we had been working all summer long on was eliminating these bad decisions. And so we'd we'd gotten pretty good at making the right choices on the golf course, especially from the fairway and uh, around the greens. But when we got actually onto the green, we had kind of a bit of an epiphany. And it was, I guess, a, a negative epiphany, if you want to think of it this way. But we kind of figured out that he didn't really know how to read putts, at least not putts of a larger than average length. You know, everything in that you know, kind of five, six foot zone, 
pretty good at. He had control on those. But I had noticed one day when we were playing that everything was just beautifully paced. He was never more than maybe a foot from the hole. And he was consistently, you know, that six to 10 inches beyond the hole. He could not have asked for better touch on the greens. And what it came down to is, you know, really figuring out that he struggled reading those putts at a greater distance. And because he's a higher handicapper, that first putt length was usually going to be more than, you know, 10 to 15 feet. So, you know, this is something that we work on a lot in Wisconsin itself. You know, we get, we really get into our mechanics and making sure that we hit the middle of the putter face in the winter. But once spring rolls around, once the courses open up, barring too much snow mold, you know, we, we really need to work on reading the greens because shag carpeting or, you know, kitchen linoleum usually has a pretty true read to it. So the best way that I've really found to, to consistently give yourself that chance to best read the putt is to just break it down into sections. If you have a putt that's under 10 feet and maybe you can't quite decide which way it breaks, try separating it into two sections. Think about what would happen if you had just putted that ball directly at the hole. How much would it break? Maybe where would it end up? Where would it stop? What would it look like at that halfway point? So you're breaking it down into these two sections. Now, when you're doing this, it's always good to kind of keep in the back of your mind that the first half of the putt will not break as much because the ball is moving faster at the beginning of the putt. As the ball slows down and as you get into the second half of that putt, the ball will start to break more. It will start to receive more of that break. So, you know, you've got your 10, maybe 8-foot putt, and you're not quite certain on where it's going to go. Just visualize a putt right at the middle of the hole and where you think it would stop halfway through. Once you know where that first half would stop, I want you to take, you know, another second here to imagine what would happen as it runs the rest of the way out. So, continuing on its course... You're simply going to imagine how far below the hole the ball would have stopped or maybe how far beyond the hole the ball would run if it's a downhill putt or vice versa, how quickly it would stop if you're looking at an uphill putt. This tells you really well how much left or right you should be aiming or maybe what type of extra speed or extra power you have to put behind it to make sure that you get to the hole. On the longer putts, you know, once we're getting kind of over 10 feet, it might be applicable for you to break your putts down into more sections. So really anything under 10 feet, I tend to look at in halves. If we're over 10 feet, but yeah, we're still kind of under that 25, maybe 30 foot range, then I'll break it into thirds. Again, same process. I'm going to Stand behind the ball, I'm looking at the hole, and I'm imagining what would happen if I hit the ball exactly at the cup. You know, first third, where would it end up? Probably not going to move too far offline because it's going to be moving pretty quick. Second third, it's going to continue on that line. 
starting to receive more and more of the break. And that last third, I know as the ball is going to die, it's going to tend to break a lot more. So just using three stages instead of two. And then once you get over 25, 30 feet, then I tend to break them down in four stages. Again, same process. You're just looking at it at a chunk at a time, and that's going to help you really better break down and better interpret to interpret the sections of the green and how they're going to cause the ball to react. Now, it was funny how this came up. It was <laughs> actually a, a conversation I was having with my father-in-law about how I teach my daughter how to do putts. We do the putting ladder inside a lot just to get used to what three feet feels like and then what six feet feels like and so on. And when we're on the course, we use that same method for reading the breaks. And I just handed that over in in that same type of method that he could understand where we're talking about halves or sections. My father-in-law is 60 years old. I don't think he needs to read three feet at a time. I feel pretty confident in his ability to handle five feet at a time. So it was it was something that worked really, really well for him. It was a bit of a curse for me because we were playing against each other. He was just, anything that was really inside of 15 feet, he had the touch perfectly, and all of a sudden it was just bottom of the cup, bottom of the cup, bottom of the cup. So I, I found that it really, really worked well for him. It's something that I used to teach my daughter. It's a way that I learned how to read putts really, really easily, and I hope it works well for you. So break your putts down into sections if you have difficulty reading the break. Hopefully that smaller amount to read will give you a more accurate read. So that's all we have for this episode. As always, I will catch you in the short grass. Cheers. Don't forget, if you want to hit the ball further like Lee Jansen, Kevin Nog, Phil Mickelson, check out our sponsor, Superspeed Golf, and use the promo code GOLFSTRATEGY at superspeedgolf.com to get 10% off your entire order. Again, that's Golf Strategy for 10% off your order at superspeedgolf.com. All right, thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par4success.com slash griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of this free performance assessment that Chris and his team has put together. Again, that's parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see exactly how well you line up against all their golfers your age. And I'll just drop a link to it in the show notes.